in uh, we talked about Shakespeare yesterday, and we talked about how we are talking about this change which is taking place between the old order and the new order, right? Yeah, and uh, when you're talking about, so we're still talking about the medieval and the modern. We're talking about how do you plow a field and how do you have the boundary to a field, and that is at the village level, right? And we also have the European idea of the parish coming in from the idea of the university, the idea of the big states, right? Uh, when Christianity uh, in its later phases or the later medieval ages, uh, the parish priest, the the parish school, the little village kind of uh, uh, cluster of people around it, right, becomes something that is almost all European, right? And of course, you have the idea of the feudal system and the feudal lord, which also gets a lot of precedence, right? And that's one of the things that happen. And uh, Trevelyan is trying to say that this is changing. This is slowly changing. And when we talk about change, it takes a long time to change, right? And we, in India, we know that our caste system uh, has not changed and it just reinventing different forms of keeping caste alive, right? Because that's an old kind of social formation which somehow nobody wants to get rid of, right? And it's a form it's a formation that is stronger than religion, it's stronger than language, it's stronger than race. I don't understand it at all, right? But it's something that you can't miss at all, right? Yeah, so the question is here we're talking about how culture is changing how the feudal order is changing and it's getting more individual or how we are moving to something called the modern age where the individual is important, right? And these are things that take a long time to change, right? So you might have people like Charles Taylor uh, who might talk about societies which uh, individuality doesn't matter, right? So we're talking about and the book of his is called Source of the Self, which you can get in FCT library, which is just behind the station, if anybody is really interested, right? But what is interesting is that what happens about the individual self, what happens about the individual subject, how does this kind of a group idea of the self change to an individual idea of the self? And that's something that we have to talk about, right? Yeah, because uh, what we're talking about actually is, can we really shift from one kind of understanding of ourselves, right? And that's a long period of time, right? So when we're talking about social change, we're not only talking about the economic change, we're not only talking about the political change, we're talking about how we change physically, how we physical practices change over a period of time, and we're not talking about short period of time, right? We're talking about something like 500, 600 years, right? And that's long periods of time which we're talking about, right? And one of the important things that we must remember when we're talking about these long periods of time is what we talked about yesterday and prob probably that didn't get recorded because uh, we have one or 20 minutes and that was in the, in the time which had crossed one hour and my device doesn't record more than one hour, right? But what is interesting is we talked about the character of the people, right? So somebody had asked me about this thing called humor, right? Humor doesn't suddenly come up. Humor takes a long time to become a social kind of communication framework, right? And then that's how it also proliferates and more and more people get into this kind of uh, jokes, songs, which are jokes and funny kind of songs, right? Uh, of course, Freud would talk about the sexual elements of the song and all those kind of things which are interesting to us even today, right? But what is happening is the slow change which is taking place. I think yesterday I mentioned Henry V where you have all the farmers selling off their lands, selling off their cattle, right? And slowly moving into buying horses and buying uh, armor so that they can take uh, part in the war, right? Now that kind of a shift uh, in India, I don't know whether it is possible, right? Because uh, how do you, the whole idea of caste becomes so important, right? And the idea that 
we can't cross these barriers. Um, that's uh, even and if even if people cross the barriers with modern education and uh, all that kind of thing, they're still uh, rejected in their own societies, right? So that's very sad, and that's why Ambedkar's solution to caste is a very complicated solution in practice, right? Because it actually says unless people marry outside their caste, the caste system won't get nullified, right? And uh, today our government is actually not thinking in Ambedkar terms at all. So we have a so-called president who's supposed to be uh, a Dalit, right? And that's only on paper. Uh, in practice, he's not an Ambedkarite, he's not anything of the sort, and we all know that quite. Uh, so you, it's like being a woman, you don't have to be a feminist, right? Being a Dalit, you don't have to be an Ambedkarite, right? Yes, you can also uh, live by other means, and you don't have to be politically conscious or theoretically conscious, right? The lifetime of Chaucer roughly corresponds with the years when the disruption of the old manorial system was in most rapid and painful progress. But the change was not complete till long after his death, and it has been long before his death. Right? As early as the 12th century, the lords of a number of manors had adopted a custom of commuting for money, rents, the forced services due on their demenses lands. The serfs did not thereby become freemen in the eyes of law. They were still subject to the old servile dues and even their liability to work for certain days on the Lord's land might be revived if he chose to renew his claim. Right? Meanwhile, it stood uh, commuted for year to year, for experience had taught the bailiff that the demence was better cultivated by hired men working all the year round than by the grudging service, service of farmers called off from labour on their own strips only to work on such work days as the custom of the manor assigned to the Lord. In some cases the villains themselves actually preferred the old system of personal service. Right? Now we're talking about the funeral order, which is still there. Right? I remember in the south uh, that people used to work uh, well, they were we were the landholders and uh, of course in British times there was already a declaration in which we all lost our lands, right? If the farmer went, and this is before independence, I don't know what happened after independence, there are other uh, kinds of land uh, reforms that take place, but one of the important things that were brought in by the British, at least in South India, I don't know about all parts of India, right? Uh, was that the land, uh, if the tiller says that I'm actually tilling the land, Right? The land to the tiller business had already begun and I don't really know how it was, right? But I definitely have actually met these people who used to till the land and the land went to them and it's, it doesn't belong to us anymore, right? Yeah, and of course, that was again done in 1974 or so. I think Indira Gandhi again did that uh, urban land sealing act, act and all those kind of things came in and again we lost a lot of land, right? Yeah, so that's okay and I think that's fair. And it's just because other people have to come up. We are here, we've got ways of survival on our own. And we can, uh, if this thing is not done, how do you change people, right? And that's a point, a very political and a social and a sociological point which they're talking about over here in this text, right? So uh, the idea of a power, right? The idea of society and the structure of society is changing because your manorial kind of thing is you have power over people and you say so many days you're supposed to work on my land free of cost because I own you or I own your father or I own your great-grandfather and he owed me so much of money and he said that you have to work on my land he said that you work on my land right and this is something that keeps going on and even in India we've not got rid of the caste system I'm bringing India so that we understand the kind of position, right? We haven't got, our, got rid of our religious kind of beliefs and our superstitions, right? And that's what probably they're not going to go away. They haven't gone away in England. They haven't gone away in Europe. And they're not going to go away, right? But the only thing is, we can be a little more skeptical 
about ourselves and about the, uh, get more rational if we want to, right? Or if we want to cling to our irrationalities, that's a democratic choice, which everybody, or existential choice, which everybody is given, right? But the question is, if we inflict our superstitions on other people, that's exactly where the problem is, right? Now, uh, I would think that the feudal system, okay, is a kind of uh, a belief system also, right? Uh, of course, it involved people who are from the Catholic Church. It involved people who are from uh, the administrative orders, right? Yeah, but it was a kind of a comfortable system. And the people who were comfortable, that the lords, right, uh, and all their families, right, they were very, very comfortable, right? Some of them, of course, I've talk, I talked yesterday about the Lady of Shalot. I talked about all the women and how women suffered because of this idea of what you call uh, the code of chivalry, right? Yeah, and you get women suffering because of that code, even now, because a woman is supposed to be chaste and honest, right? A woman is supposed to be all these things, right? A woman is supposed to be a beautiful wife, and a man can do any damn rubbish that he wants to, right? He can go and flirt around with hundreds of women, right? He can have hundreds of mistresses, he can do all sorts of things, and that hasn't changed, right? And if a woman does this, the woman is a bad woman, right? But if a man does this, he's a great man, and he's a powerful man, and he's a macho man, and all that kind of stuff that we have, right? Which is something that goes back in, in Europe, even before the feudal system, right? But the feudal system consolidates all this. But the other thing is that you get this kind of social respect, okay? That's what we, uh, we probably know better than the English today, and they would not be able to understand this, because we have this caste system and caste hierarchy, which still pervades and continues, right? Though we should have actually got rid of it, right? At least mentally, right? Yeah, so people still bow down, between before an upper caste person, right? They still do all these kinds of uh, rituals and services and come, uh, yeah. In spite of being educated and being critical about religion, etc., when it comes to a lot of rituals and ceremonies, they fall back on it because they don't, some of it, perhaps people are not convinced, right? And these things, as is said here, and as we know, it takes a lot of time for a uh, policy change or a cultural change that is a new tool how to integrate with society to change society and become a part of society and create a new tool out of it that takes centuries right yeah so you can talk about i would like to give this famous idea of the printing machine right which is of course after the jail chaucer right uh, which is something that is a revolution right but it doesn't change very much. The technology doesn't change very much till the 19th century after electricity and the industrial revolution where you have mass printing, right? And it takes a further change in, uh, in, the, in the end, at the end of the 20th century, right? Yeah, so it's in the 90s when DTP and all those kind of things, publishing becomes uh, Xeroxing, publishing, all those kind of things happen, right? Then what happens is uh, printing changes again, right? Uh, I know for a fact that there is a student of ours who's uh, maybe about five or six batches senior to you, right? Uh, and I know him from the first year BA, right? And suddenly one day he says, well, my, I have to shift my family here and I have to get a job. I said, what's happened, right? So his father owns a printing press in Assam or somewhere, right? And uh, Everything changes, technology changes, so you're out of job, right? So we're talking about that kind of shift. Either policy change or technology change actually makes people shift and they have a different change in their status, right? Yeah, so uh, what happens is also with things like the depression, which is not there because this is a pre-capitalist world that we're talking about, right? Yeah, it's not become a capitalist world. Uh, the whole idea of part of money is not the most important thing. It's very difficult to imagine such a world, right? Uh, maybe if some people are from Kashmir, they might be able to understand it. Not for, uh, because uh, when we had demonetization and the whole of India suffered, again they said, well, Kashmir is going to suffer, right? Kashmir didn't suffer because they've had a long, uh, uh, they've had many lockdowns like we 
think that we're suffering in this lockdown. They've been under lockdown for a long time, right? Many, many years, right? So they've already got a bottle system and uh, the Indian money system didn't matter to them, right? Yeah. So the question is, what happens over here is you pay with work. You work, that's what is happening in, and it's still there in a lot of parts of India, right? Okay, so you get people, you give them a place to stay, you give them food, right? And maybe you give them a pittance uh, as far as money is concerned, which they don't have to use any of the money, right? And that's how a lot of the estates in South India work, right? So you give them food, you give them a place to stay, right? And uh, you give them some money also, you give, keep the money in the bank. Uh, of course, we have banking, which they didn't have uh, in the time of Joseph. Right? Yeah. So you, uh, that's how a land and wealth is in land, right? Wealth is in people. That's why you have the serfs, right? Yeah. So the serfs, almost slaves, right? They, that's where the wealth is, right? And your status depends on all that, which is again a kind of a problematic issue, right? Yeah. Of course, here the status is with being an upper caste person for nothing that you've done, right? And that, of course, changes because the idea of work becomes important. How does work actually make you who you are? Okay, and that's when the individual becomes important, right? So when we're talking about this uh, this paragraph, it's actually talking about how this slowly there is uh, we're talking about money and we're talking about rents and how this transforms from this idea of uh, expecting people to work on your farm because they owed you money or the grandfather owed you money or something of sort, right? So they actually slaves and they have to follow the custom and they have to uh, bow down to you. And if you say work, you work without anything, yeah? Uh, because you are a serf, right? So that's uh, to put, that's the long and the short of it, right? Uh, yeah. So you have also the idea of um, the wool trade and now Britain becomes a cloth manufacturing country, right? The communication of field services had thus made some headway before the 20th century closed, 12th century closed, sorry. But in the following century, the process was very frequently reversed. Work days for which money payments had been substituted in the age of Beckett were being again demanded in the age of Simon de Montfort and in some cases new burdens were imposed. A, a general tightening up and defining the Lord's claims characterized the 13th century, particularly on certain great ecclesiastical estates where communication was formally, uh, formally been creeping in. One cause of the feudal reaction was the rapid increase of population and the consequent land hunger of the 13th century. As the families of the Dele, uh, the number of strips in the old open field assigned to a single farmer grew less. The pressure of population on the means of subsistence and the competition for land to farm enabled the Lord's bailiff to drive harder bargains with the villagers and to reinforce or enforce more strictly the demands for field work on the home farm as the conditions for tenure of the land. Right? So the question is, you're given land, but for that land, you have to work. Yeah? And this is something that I think it's important to think about because uh, when we're talking about a man called Marx who comes in a, a very, very brilliant kind of uh, economist, right? He's talking about land and uh, when you look at his writings, land becomes a very important kind of commodity because land is something that cannot increase, right? You can increase, uh, why we talked about value uh, maybe two or three lectures ago, right? The, the question of what is value? Why does value happen, right? Yeah, and value is something that something in short supply becomes valuable, right? And that's why gold is valuable, land is valuable, right? And uh, that's uh, so we're talking about material value, right? And these things go up in value because the, the amount of land that you have is limited, right? Yeah. Uh, and gold, of course, is again limited, right? And that's why if uh, the, the most important example is if 
the dust or the mud were gold, then mud would be precious, not gold. Right? So this is something that uh, is important to look at. Right? Yeah? If everything was gold, or you have the story of the Midas touch, which is a Greek mythology, right? Uh, if everything was gold, could gold be valuable? Right? And that's the kind of question and question questioning that we have, right? So land is in short supply, and what happens is we're talking about population growth, which is something that uh, is a question all the time, right? So we're talking about the demographics, and you get the uh, uh, the the lower class people uh, who, and this is a question that is all around the place. What happens to education and class? Uh, and class, right? Why do people who are, of course, we can't say that is true about uh, medieval Europe, right? Because death was quite common, right? And anybody could die. We didn't have modern medication. We didn't have all these things, right? So normally people had huge families, even if they were the lords, right? Yeah. So you had a huge family because. Uh, Hardly, maybe one or two of your children might survive till the age of 50, right? Yeah, so that's the kind of problem that they had. And in India also, that's in the mentality. You see that in the mentality. Today, this woman who cleans the house was telling me her mother-in-law used to work for me and now she's working for me. And her mother-in-law is still working, right? So I asked her how the mother-in-law's health. She says, well, she's, her age has gone up, right? So she's definitely going to get sick. Right? And all that. She had some joint pains and things of that sort. So I asked her. That's why I asked her. Right? And now the question is, uh, this is the mentality. Right? Because at one point of time, uh, no Indian would live beyond the age of 50. Right? So when you're 50, you suddenly become old. Right? And the mentality of being old actually makes you old. Right? Yeah? Because uh, once you're 50, you think that people should serve you. You think that you don't have to work, right? Okay, and that's what has affected our educational institutions because by the age of 40, people have already stopped working, right? Yeah, and this is something that's terrible, right? And if you look at uh, what happens in the United States and in Britain and in Europe, after the age of 60, people start working on the things that they love and they want to work on, right? Because they're they don't have to struggle for the job, the children are settled, so that's a different kind of situation, right? Whether we'll become that way or not, God alone knows, right? But what is unfortunate is that we have to think about this whole idea of growth and development. We have also to think about the idea of how do we change socially, right? Yeah, so at one point of time, the feudal lord was probably a lord like our uh, uh, rich, uh, landholders especially who don't have to work at all and they get fatter and fatter because uh, and in some places they have to be carried around the place right because they've not done any work and they've lived a lavish life and eaten a lot right now in opposition uh, the poor people actually uh, get children right and we're not talking about how many of them survive right uh, but that's what is said over here and then the question is, the lands have to be divided and the, because the population has increased, the strips of land become smaller uh, smaller. and we know as in India, okay, uh, when you divide the land up okay, and you try to uh, cultivate it, it actually becomes very difficult to cultivate, right, yeah, and that's not considered, right, but that's how we operate, right, and uh, what happens is you don't. So we talk about marginal farmers, and today we're talking about farmers' suicides, right? Yeah, because uh, we're talking about subsistence farming, and that's something that our governments have not looked at, right? Yeah, so that's something that's very sad. Okay, so the the idea of subsistence is an agricultural country, and we're talking about in England, which was an agricultural country, and the chief kind of wealth came from world, the world trade, right? Yeah, so that's something that even now the English are famous for, the world, okay? And uh, 
yeah, so Merino wool and all those kind of things is Australian, I'm not wrong, but uh, the English wool was something that was very important and it still is, right? Yeah, so uh, wool manufacturing is something that uh, is important, but the, the farm and the idea of support and working on your own farm and when the lord or the manor says you do work on my farm for these days of the week the the, uh, the serfs had to actually uh, leave their work and go and work on their farm right so that becomes an issue right and then the question of when do i say i don't want to work for the serf right yeah or when do i say i don't want to bow down to a brahmin and i've got my own dignity which i can stand up to right that's a question uh, which is important, right? And that's a huge cultural shift that is taking place, right? When you can get up and say, uh, yeah, we, we still have these kind of family uh, bowing downs, right? Especially if we come from small towns and small villages, right? Somebody says that this is a great family and all that because once upon a time they were rich or somebody had a big position, they were judges or whatever that is, right? You'll find that in small towns in India also. Right? And the question is, how do you become equal? Okay? That's something that takes a long time to change. Right? And the idea of uh, social equality is something that Europe has been able to establish, but I don't know if India is ever going to reach there. Though a lot of changes have already taken place, there is a lot of more idea of dignity in India, which is of course of foreign origin, it's not in the Indian psyche. Right? Because if, in, if dignity were in the Indian psyche, we wouldn't have caste systems, right? We don't have this kind of a system where you, you talk about some person as untouchable, right? So that means we don't, okay, an untouchable, and you can't get rid of that kind of a slur or a stigma in life, after life, before life, all that kind of thing, right? Which is much worse than what is happening here, right? where you can actually change your society by changing your kind of profession, right? Yeah? So uh, what is going on over here is that we're talking about a different system of uh, relationships between the master and the slaves, and the slaves are slowly becoming independent, and the, the, the idea of becoming a free person, uh, you could buy your freedom or it could be gifted to you if you go to the or you had a good master, right? And uh, at one point of time, maybe this system actually became a problem, right? Because you had to look after the slaves and uh, some of your uh, kind of wealth is also taken away, right? Uh, when therefore the 14th century began, the lords or the manors were in strong positions. But then the tide turned once more. The increase of population had slowed down in the reign of Edward II and it was again becoming usual to commute field services for mon uh, money rents when the disaster of the Black Death came to the speed uh, to speed the change, the change, yeah, the change, right? Yeah. So now we're talking about populations, right? Now, if you don't have enough of people and you have a lot of land, right? Then what do you do, right? What happens if all your slaves die? then how do you manage, right? So we're talking about another factor, which is a factor of disease, right? And disease can change a lot of things. Like in India today, you're living examples of it and you can actually see what's happening, right? How has the economy suffered because of the pandemic? And this is of course in the world, right? Now the plague was something that happens again and again in London. And because of a natural calamity like the plague, right? What happens is, you don't get people, okay? People die, the population gets out, right? And then, if you don't have a population, how do you run your land, right? Nobody's going to come and work on your land because there are no people, right? So that's the kind of issue that you have, right? And uh, so it's called the Black Death, 1348 to 49, right? When a third of, or, uh, or possibly a half, of the inhabitants of the kingdom died of plague in less than two years, what was the effect on the social and economic position in the average English village? Obviously, the survivors among the peasantry had the whip hand of the lord and his bailiff. 
Instead of the recent hunger for land, there was a shortage of men to till it. The value of farms fell and the price of labor went up at, uh, at uh, above, right? The lord of the manor could no longer cultivate his immense land with a reduced number of serfs, while many of the strip holdings in the open field were thrown back on his hands because the families that farmed them had died of plague, right? Now we're talking about uh, plague, and plague was a killer, right? Yeah, and what happens is, if you don't have people, what's the use of your wealth, right? Yeah, and you can't run the place, right? It's just like in India, right? Where uh, we've treated all the, the migrant labor as not having any dignity, okay? They can stay in shanties, they can stay in slums, they can stay all of these places, place and we don't even care, right? Even household helps, we don't even care for them. Right? We don't even care for their living conditions, right? And the government hasn't instituted anything of that sort, right? Which actually should be done, right? Okay, and especially when we have a pandemic and when we have an epidemic like the plague or uh, malaria or typhoid or whatever that is, right? You have to actually look at these people at the bottom of society and think about them, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what has not been thought about over here. And you have huge acres of land which you don't have modern farming, okay? And you actually have to go and plow the fields, you have to sow the, uh, sow the seeds, you have to do all those kind of things. And the Lord, in spite of having all the wealth, doesn't have what you call working capital, right? And the working capital is not about money, the working capital is human power, right? Or labor power, which Marx talks about in his talking about how uh, the, the feudal system becomes the modern capitalist system, right? Yeah, so sorry for giving you a watered down kind of marks, but I think the labor power, you're talking about labor power, and we're talking about the power of one person going and working in the field, and that is later given to people for a sum, right? So I do so much of work, and I give you so much of money, and you can read John Ruskin, uh, who's a contempt, uh, little before uh, Trevelyan, right? Uh, until this last, where he's talking about all these kind of socialist changes which are taking place in England and he's talking about something called political economy, right? Yeah, so when we're talking about uh, uh, the idea of uh, economy, we're talking about the political economy changing and that's when your social systems, your social relations change and it's because of economy, one has an effect on the other, okay, right? So when we have the migrant laborers, Right, who've been shoved off by uh, lockdown trains, right? Some of them died on the way, all those kind of stories we've read in the papers, we've seen it on the net and all that kind of thing, right? And suddenly you have these people giving them plane tickets, okay, to come back to work, right? Can you understand? So, this is the kind of situation that is faced in England, but the most important thing is. They don't have people. So even if I give them a plane, of course there were no planes, there were no trains, there's nothing, right? I've got only land. And what do I do with land, right? Unless it's plowed, okay? Unless uh, it gives grain, yeah? And I use the grain and I keep the grain for a long period of time and I maybe barter it off to somebody or whatever that is, right? Or sell it off, okay? Uh, because the idea of money and this, this kind of capital market is something that is after the feudal order, right? Yeah. So what happens when I have land and can't do anything with my land, right? Yeah. Or what happens if I have a, a lot of houses and there are no people to occupy the houses? I can't even get rent, right? Yeah. So the idea of giving a piece of land out on rent is something that comes in from there, right? It's already uh, slowly started, and uh, that's something that is important think about when we're talking about the social, how do the social, socio-political and the economic uh, and the political economy change, right? Now, we're all guided by these forces which are uh, political and social and economic, right? Yeah. So when you talk about ourselves as citizens, we're talking about uh, the idea of what changes does the government affect and how do we get affected by it, right? And we're also talking about natural calamities, 
world changes, right? Like for instance, we have a war, right? And that's when the population of Europe suffers uh, because they have this hundred-year war. Imagine between England and France, you have a hundred-year war, right? And hundreds of years, people go and die, right? In India, we're still glorifying war because we don't know how terrible war is, especially to the people who lose uh, lives in uh, their family, right? And of course, India is much worse. We might put up the, the soldiers of people and they might call them martyrs and all that kind of thing. But what happens is after they die, nobody bothers about their families and their widows. I don't even know whether many of the widows actually get the pension. And they don't keep running around from pillar to post. They might have to even bribe people to get pensions, right? And that's exactly how sad the country is, right? Yeah, so uh, all this kind of hypocrisy of honoring the soldiers and calling the soldiers uh, martyrs, right? All those kind of things we still do, right? Yeah, and of course a soldier goes and joins the military not because of the country or any kind of political reason like that, but because he needs to to look after their family, right? Yeah, so to have a decent living, that's why they join the military, right? And you ask any soldier, right? I don't think, uh, and when a politician makes mistakes, like in the char charge of the light brigade, a general or any of these kind of people might make a mistake, right? What happens then, right? Yeah, so you, you talk about what is the responsibility of the politicians who make decisions to go to war, right? And how many people die because of that? And what is the compensation that they get? They've been given a pay, they've been given a salary, their family's got a pension. That's the answer the politicians will give, right? And of course, they might try to boost things up and want more people to join by saying, calling somebody a martyr, etc. when they've just gone and done a job to get a salary, right? Uh, when a third or possibly half the inhabitants of the kingdom died of plague in less than two years, what was the effect of the social and economic position on the average English village? Obviously, the survivors among the peasantry had the whip hand of the Lord and the bailiff instead of the recent hunger for land there was a shortage of men to till it. Uh, the value of farms fell and the price of labor went up at a bump, right? Now, this is something that you can also see today, right? Uh, in the past, you used to get a lot of people, maybe in some parts of India, you still get people to walk in your house, right? But in many parts of India, you don't get them to walk in your house because it's better for them to go to the Gulf or to go to a big city and work, right? Yeah, so uh, a lot of small towns have this shortage of people coming to work in their house, right? And you have to pay them a lot of money, right? To keep them and make them work for you, right? So uh, domestic helps is what we call them, right? Yeah, and uh, you, you'll see that that happens when the economy is better, if the economy is going to be better because we are in a crisis today, right? Yeah, and uh, people are also educated and they can get jobs and different kinds of jobs. So why they, why would they come and work for me, right? Yeah, and that's where the whole system changes again. The econ economic system, the political system, all these things change and uh, that's an important point to look at, right? So land goes down, the value of land goes down, that land is cheaply and easily available, right? And anybody is going to sell land instead of buying land and getting more wealth. But the Lord's difficulty was the peasant's opportunity. The number of strips in the old open field held by a single farmer were increased by the amalgamation of deficit holdings. And the villa cultivators of the larger units became, in effect, middle-class yeomen employing hired labor. Naturally, they rebelled all the more against their own servile status and against the demands of the bailiff that should still perform their work days in person on the Lord's demands. Meanwhile, free laborers who had no land were available in the general scarcity of hands to demand much higher wages than before, whether from the bailiff or the demands or from the farmers of the open field, right? Now the situation actually changes even more 
because now you have the people who are given land and got land, right? And they don't bother about going back and working for the Lord, right? So they are rebelling against that, right? Because you have this system which is pre-capitalistic where you have the, the, the bailiff, the court bailiff coming and saying, you have to work on these days and this is the contract that you have, right? Now, whether it was verbal or whether it was written, it's a question. Most of them were probably verbal, right? But the verbal contracts went on and if the court bailiff came, it would be also written, right? So the question of power and the question of changing of power again becomes a problem, right? Yeah, in India, most of these things are verbal, right? And I don't know, in spite of them being verbal, they operate at some level, right? And uh, yeah, so that's the problem that we have, right? And now there are a lot of free people, right? And they demand a bigger wage. They say, no, I'm not coming to work, right? Now, that's a huge shift that is taking place, right? Because the people say, I can not give you my labor, even if you're willing to pay me so much of money, I want some more money, right? Yeah, so that's something that economically, uh, a big kind of shift. Some lords still relied on the compulsory labor of the serfs, to cultivate the home farm, but then this uh, the deceased number and the increasing recalcitrance of the villagers from whom such services were due to clog the wheels of the old system. Right? Often, when the bailiff pressed a villain to perform his field work, he fled to better himself on the other side of the forest, where every town and every village was so short of labor after the black death that high wages were given to immigrants and no questions asked as to whence they came. The serf bound to the soil of a manor by law might detach himself in physical reality unless indeed he was encumbered by a wife and children whose migration was more difficult. The flights of single villains, uh, usually the young and energetic man, left on the Lord's land. Uh, uh, the Lord's hand, the holding of the open field that the fugitive had deserted, and often there was no one willing to take it except for a low money rent. Right now, the, the situation is further worsened. All the people leave the manor, they leave one farm. If the court comes and the bailiff comes, what do you do? Run away, right? Go to another place. At that point of time, there were forests. Now I don't know if there are so many forests in England at all. But what is called a forest is just a clump of trees, right? Yeah, because of deforestation, and that might happen to India very soon because the government is anti-forest and anti-environment and anti-anti-progressive things, right? And we know about the uh, uh, the act that they're going to uh, put in practice today, right? Yeah. Uh, so what is interesting is that you, the laborers move off. The laborers move to another place, another village, far away, so the bailiff can't catch them, right? And the Lord is left with this huge land which he can't do anything with, right? So that's exactly, and they get a lot of money from somebody else to plow the fields, right? So that's uh, when you have actual social change taking place, right? And nobody asks where you've come from anymore because why should they ask right so you leave your job from here and you go somewhere else and you work there and people don't ask you where you've come from they're interested in somebody coming and doing the work right and that's when india is interesting because a lot of change takes place after the semi-industrial revolution that we've had right where people move to the big cities right uh, and they find this idea of work being better right you might find uh, this interesting largely because when Gandhi takes up the idea of the village and the village as part of Indian culture and basic structure of Indian culture, which Ambedkar just shoots down and says the village is a cesspool of caste, right? Yeah, this is what exactly is happening over here, right? When uh, a person who belongs to a lower caste suffers in a village, Right? because of caste oppression right? and managed to break away and come to the city right? where nobody cares about your caste. 
right? Yeah, or maybe they still do uh, here and there, right? Or nobody even cares about your religion. People want people to work, right? And that's why you have the big cities where your identity, the caste identity, and the religious identity normally don't come, right? They count only in uh, a very, very rural areas where there's a lot of uh, bigot and uh, bigotry and uh, a lot of negative thinking, right? Where you think that you can actually uh, control people because of caste and because of power and all those kind of things, right? So when that kind of change takes place, when people move away from the village, come to the city, uh, your, your caste is not important, I need somebody to do my job. That's more important, right? And that's when uh, uh, there's a slow exodus of people. Uh, exodus, of course, means a lot of people moving, right? And this is exactly what happens. Maybe it was not a quick exodus, right? But it takes a long period of time when people think that, well, I need a job, I need to be independent, I'm getting money, and for my labor, right, I get some amount of money, and I get some amount of food, and all those kind of things, and whatever the bargain is, they are more independent, and there's a different kind of an economy which comes in, right? And this is political, and there's also social, right? And it's economic, right? So, because of economic shifts, and uh, because of a disease like plague, right, and the population going down, right, the land value goes down, okay, and you can see what happens over here, and this is very nicely done by Trevelyan to talk about how social change happens in England. Yeah, and the question is, how, does, how do the power relations change? The power relation between the lord of the manor and the villain, right? So I don't need the villain anymore. I might have bowed down to him. My grandfather might have bowed down to him, his grandfather, and all those kind of things. But now I'm a free kind of person, and I don't even need the villain, the, the lord, to say that I'm free because I can just run away, right? And I can go and work for somebody who is in need of uh, uh, physical labor and is going to pay me something for that so I can get be a free man. Right? Now that's something that happens slowly and over a period of time. It doesn't happen in one day, right? And it happens not only with one plague, we'll see that plague is something that keeps coming again and again, right? And uh, 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 death is something that's a very important part of uh, what you call a medieval uh, thought and medieval uh, spirituality, okay? And this is in Europe, right? And you have the meditation of death all the time, and it's even before you come to Europe. You have people like Marcus Aurelius, who is an emperor, okay, of the, a Roman emperor, right? And that's before Christianity, right? And he actually is a person who's into this thing called Stoicism, right? And he's actually telling you how to not get affected by death, by disease, by position, by power, and how do you manage to go on living your life as an individual, right? Yeah, so that's already there, that's there somewhere, though the social system is not there, right? So, uh, uh, death is something that becomes important, right? And you have uh, what you call the memento mori, right? Which is a, a memento mori is the skull and the crossbones, right? Which becomes an important part of the spiritual life of people because meditation and death is very important. Right? Anybody can die anytime. Like today we have the pandemic and people down our street are supposed to have it, right? And people say, well, all these people are around, right? And be careful, right? Yeah? And of course, anybody can get it and anybody can die. Some die, some live. Uh, and we can't control it, right? Yeah? We thought that we've got medical science or modern medical science to control things, but we slowly realize that even that is failing, right? Or that doesn't have power over this new kind of virus, right? So, uh, of course, in medieval England, there's no uh, real cure, and they had herbal treatment, and we all know about this man, who we've talked about in one of the earlier classes, right? Uh, a man called Nostradamus, right? Who is supposed to be a, a gifted person who can see the future and all that kind of thing, right? And he's also a person who has medicines and goes around curing people of the plague, but he himself dies, uh, his wife and his son die of plague, right? Yeah, so all those, it's not modern medicine, because if you have modern medicine, 
uh, and you treat other people but you can't treat your wife and your child, then you say, well, that's not, uh, that's not medicine anymore, right? Yeah, so that's uh, a problem, right? Unless you give a reason for why they die in spite of you having access to medicine, right? Uh, yes, uh, just tell me, I'm, I'm going to stop in one hour because I can't record the lecture, right? I've got 10, almost 10 minutes, so, and that's one. And first of all, I think this idea of a one hour, 20 minute lecture is just not even physically, even if I give you a physical lecture, it's not about me, it's about you and attention spans. I can talk for two hours or three hours, right? As you know, I've given a four hour lecture to the TYBA students once upon a time, right? And I forgot, and they forgot that uh, we were sitting and talking uh, about uh, uh, criticism, right? Yeah, so uh, I can go on, right? And I have to keep talking, right? And we, uh, we can do that, right? Because we've done that for a long time. I don't know if uh, people can actually pay attention, right? And I think uh, we should take it up with the dean. I think I should take it up and write it with the dean and say, well, I think we should uh, have a 40 minute lecture because that's the attention span of a person, right? About 35 to 40 minutes, right? 45 minutes at most, right? After that, uh, attention spans sank, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, more, yes. A surf, yeah. More and more, therefore, as Chaucer was growing to manhood, the lords abandoned the attempt to cultivate their uh, demands lands by the old method and concentrated to, uh, to commute field services for cash. Right? Now, the system is the people who own the land are giving cash transactions. Right? One, of course, is if you've ever dealt with anybody who has land, and even if you have the system of providing them food and getting them a wage, right? It's not easy, right? I remember my aunt, and she had a huge coconut plantation, and whenever she had to hire workers uh, or day laborers, right? You would give them money, but you also have to give them tea, and you also give them food, right? And I remember she used to get up at four o'clock in the morning, right? To make a whole pile of chapatis for the laborers, right? She had to do that, right? Yeah, and because nobody else would take all that trouble, right? And in spite of having a lot of servants in the house, uh, she used to personally do that. She used to carry all the chapatis with a kettle of tea, right? And go and give it to the laborers, right? So that uh, they would work under. Uh, yeah, that's that's a kind of arrangement. Of course, that was verbal, right? And over here, I don't know if it was written. Probably it was still verbal, right? Because uh, I don't know if uh, we talked about justices of the peace and all those things last time, right? But what would a justice of the peace do, right? If you say, well, I'm not interested in working, right? I just want to stay here. I don't want to work at all, right? Or I want to go somewhere else. And you give me a, I, I'm willing to work, but you give me a better wage, right? Yeah, that's one. And the thing is, there's all this incumbency of looking after them, uh, all these kind of things. Of course, today, uh, we're talking about health facilities, all those uh, other kinds of corporate responsibilities are supposed to be there, but in a private, uh, privatized, uh, corporate kind of world, uh, yeah, some of it they pretend to do, right? Uh, or you get it, right? Uh, not really pretending. They give you medical insurance, right? They pay. It's all, of course taken from your salary, right? But it's shown as medical expenses, right? And ins medical insurance, not even medical. Uh, they give you medical insurance. You get the money back from the uh, insurance company, right? Yeah, actually, there's somewhere that money goes out, right? Uh, that's a trick that uh, uh, the capitalists do, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since there was more coin per head of the reduced population, it was easier for the serf to save or borrow enough shillings to buy his freedom and to pay money rent to his farm, for his farm. And many of the peasants kept sheep by the sale of whose bull they obtained coin to buy their freedom, right? Now you're talking about a slow kind of movement from what you call a feudal system to a capitalist system, right? And what Trevelyan is saying, he's talking about England, he's not talking about the whole of Europe, right? He's saying that, look, what is happening over here is uh, the plague comes, 
a lot of people die, land is uh, available, right? And there's nobody to till the land. People are running away because they, they, the, the court system is not as strong as it is today, right? And what do you do if somebody says, give me more money, then I'll work on the land, right? And I don't want to work. And when I work, I do shabby work because I'm forced to work, right? Yes, this idea of labor power is something that's already coming in, right? And the idea of uh, how the labor actually work, right? The whole idea of uh, muscle power, labor power, all those kinds of powers are coming in to change. And the idea is that they keep, they have uh, ways of paying back the serf and getting their freedom. They have to buy freedom, right? Which of course is terrible to think of. That we means that before birth, you're already slaves, right? Yeah. And one day, of course, there's a hope that I can buy my freedom. And that's something that they do and something that they get because of the social system changing, right? Uh, with the money received in lieu of field service, the lords could offer wages to free laborers, right? Now the money system changes even more because uh, what these people say, okay, I've earned this much money, I can buy my freedom. They give it to the Lord and the Lord is very happy with it. He's not sad, right? Because what he has to do now is he can use that money to pay other people, right? So then this whole idea of uh, the capitalist system and the coins come in, which is something that is a big change societally, economically, politically, right? Uh, many landlords therefore cease to cultivate the demands themselves and let it on lease to a new class of yeoman farmer. These farmers often took over the Lord's cattle uh, on a stock and land lease, right? Uh, I think I'll stop in about four minutes. Sometimes they paid money rents, but often it was agreed that they should be pay in kind, supplying the households of the manor with its food and drink. The Lord's family had always been fed from the product of the home farm, and how now that it was let, the only kindly connection was continued with mutual convenience. On some manors, in pastoral districts, where the peasants grew rich by selling wool, the bondage tenants took a lease of the whole of the Lord's demands and divided it among themselves, right? Now I'll take that up tomorrow because what they're talking about is actually they're talking about how do you have a cooperative, right? Yeah, so this is coming out of uh, the kind of point that Trevelyan is making is feudalism actually grows from society right, in a kind of a logical or quote-unquote natural progression, right, society goes that way and slowly that happens, right, and the transition from feudalism to capitalism is not imposed from outside, but is slowly something that changes from inside, right, and slowly, and of course outside, yes, of course outside, by the plague, by wars, all those kind of things happen, that's true, right, yeah, and the fact that people move about and you find that this pull, this economic change takes place and with the economic change, the political and the social is also changed, right? So I think uh, that's a lot that we've done and please think about it and read this text, right? Uh, because that's the only way and think about it, right? And uh, at one point of time, or at some point of time, you'll have to deal with this idea of what is this thing called Marx, right? What is the thing called, uh, how do the Marxists analyze uh, social production, right? Or production of work, right? Or production of labor? And what has, what is this kind of production of labor? Because we've moved away from the feudal system, though many parts of India still have these feudal connections, right? But the thing is, over time, they weaken, right? So I can run away from my village and come to the city and never go back to my village at all. Right? This is in India today, right? And nobody will know where I live, right? And nobody will know where I work. And I can slowly become, uh, at least not from zero, I can become something, right? Yeah? From, by labor and hard work, right? So I think uh, with that, uh, we can conclude a lesson. And I will take only a 20 minute lesson and I'll give you one more one hour lecture. 
right, which I'll post to you on um, Anchor, right, so you uh, can concentrate and look at it again, right? Thank you so much, and uh, with that, I close. Yeah. Uh.